Hi, you're listening to Global Skycast, the show that brings you all of the most up-to-date aviation news, interviews, and insight from around the world. Good afternoon and welcome to another Global Skycast. My name is Alu Davis. I'm the Editor-in-Chief here at Global Sky Media. Uh, Delighted today to be joined by Samuel Sharp, who is a helicopter EMS specialist uh, and helps Leonardo design HEMS aircraft. Uh, Samuel, how are you? I'm doing well. Great to be here. Perfect. And thanks for joining us today. We really appreciate it. And we were talking um, just before we started this podcast about how you got involved with um, Leonardo in the first place, because you were a former flight nurse, of course. Correct. For about 15 years, I was a flight nurse in the state of Maine in the United States, flying Augusta 109E and then SP models. For the last couple of years, I was the director of clinical operations, oversaw all of the clinical operations uh, throughout the state. So three helicopters, uh, an airplane and two ground ambulance services. Oh. And, and I think when, when people think of HEMS and they think of EMS, they sort of group everything together. But there is there is quite a big difference between the two, isn't there? There is. And it depends on um, the geography uh, to a certain extent. It depends on the healthcare system. Uh, so, for example, the HEMS system here in the United States is pretty different than that of Europe, Australia, and definitely very different in some of the emerging markets such as South America or Africa. So there's there's a lot of differences, and yet at the same time, there's a similarity where the goal is to take care of the critically ill and injured and move them from one place to another. So there's kind of this underlying similarity between all of them and then kind of the mechanisms or the logistics can change depending on what part of the world or what health system you're operating in. You mentioned that you've been in, um, involved in the industry for, for, I think, 25 years. Has the industry changed much over that period? Yeah, it really has. Um, and so obviously, a lot of my experiences in the United States market, that has grown and evolved. I think the healthcare system as a whole, has is sort of a microcosm of the larger healthcare system, no matter where you're operating. So the U.S. healthcare system has evolved with the increase of additional technologies. Certain technologies are getting smaller and more portable. So for example, cardiac bypass, uh, or otherwise known as ECMO, where they're actually taking the blood outside of the patient, oxygenating it, and circling it back through, used to require a really large machine that was only found in specialized operating rooms. Now it is the size, it's even smaller than a small carry-on piece of luggage, so that means that we can start putting those things in the helicopters or in the airplanes, which allows the ability to move patients uh, on those devices to centers of need. Because of these capabilities and and challenges, and this is happening not only in the United States, but across the globe as well, you know, healthcare is getting more and more expensive. So they're figuring out ways of consolidating services at, you know, specialized larger centers. They tend to be in larger cities, but the patients are still in further out areas or in rural areas. So they need the ability to be able to move these patients quickly and safely with, you know, top team and top capabilities, both on the helicopter as well as the clinical equipment. And so you're starting to see more services being offered at less facilities, which means that they're increasingly relying on HEMS systems in order to move those people. So how did you end up um, becoming involved with Leonardo in the first place? Did they, did they sort of, I know, I realise um, Leonardo are quite involved in the EMS and HEMS markets anyway, but were they looking to expand out their coverage and, and looking for an expert that had been involved in this world and could sort of consult and advise them on on the market requirements that were that were needed. 
That's exactly correct. So Leonardo has really been a, a leader in the HEMS market. Uh, obviously, they manufacture a lot of different aircraft. And they've really taken the perspective of trying to mold their business centered around the patient. As we get into this discussion and talk about the aircraft specifically, all of them kind of look at it from the patient as being the focus. And then the rest of the machine and the rest of the um, systems are there to you know, support the crew or the patients that are on board. I knew that I've been flying in their aircraft for my entire career. I also had flown in some other aircraft. Um, so I was well positioned to have a good understanding of what parts of their aircraft really worked well in terms of taking care of patients. And I think that they realized that having someone that had actually operated in the back of the helicopter could only serve to you know, improve their responsiveness, help customers understand what sorts of things that they need, and have me be able to sort of communicate between the helicopter companies, the interior companies, and, and the medical customers. So I think they saw it as a natural symbiosis to have a, a clinical person be a part of their team. And that's, that's exactly what I do is I, I work as, a, as part of the marketing team, but I work closely with both engineering and with sales. And we really take sort of a team approach to making sure that whatever customer has the very best options that you know, will serve their mission profile. Absolutely. And so you mentioned different, um, different helicopter types. Do you find different helicopter types are more popular in different markets? So, so let me explain my question uh, a little bit better. Um, so I'm originally from the UK. I've moved out here uh, maybe a year and a half ago or so. And when I was living in the UK, I lived in Redhill, which of course is a very famous uh, helicopter place in the UK anyway. And I think the, the most common HEMS or EMS type of helicopter in the UK is probably the AW169. So I was just wondering if in different countries, they had a preference for different types of uh, helicopters. So the answer is sort of. I think that there's a fair amount of regulatory influence that actually impacts that. So for example, in England, as well as in Europe, it's required that the aircraft has to have two engines. So that immediately kind of takes a certain segment of the, of the helicopters out of it, and that's just strictly regulatory. I think, you know, you'll see that single engine are used in other parts of the world. So I don't know that it necessarily makes one type better or worse than the other. That's just a decision that the regulatory authorities have have made. From a standpoint of what types of helicopters, you know, after the sort of regulatory part of it is taken out, then it really depends on sort of the mission profile. So you used England as an example. They're flying with pretty sophisticated medical teams. You know, they're using the machines, like I mentioned earlier, actually out on the side of the road. I think they were one of the first countries to do seeing ECMO work. So they needed a cabin that was going to provide excellent patient access, be able to carry enough team members and medical equipment, which the 169 is incredibly well set up for. It's got a large square cabin. It's got plenty of room. And then the other key is that it's modular. So because it's a relatively large cabin that's sort of square, you can quickly reconfigure it. So if they're doing, you know, if they need to take a specialized doctor in addition to their normal team or additional medical equipment, they can quickly do that in five minutes or less, you know, without any sort of need for the mechanics. That modularity we've tried to incorporate into our full range of products. So the 169 is kind of our middle of the road. We go all the way down to the 119, which is the small single engine, and all the way up to the 189, which is a much larger aircraft. Each and every single one, we keep the, the patient and patient care at the, at the focus and then try to design the interior so that it's able to be responsive to the market because 
what works well in England today may change five years from now. That's also going to be different than what is needed down in Brazil or what is used in the United States. And I think that that responsiveness and flexibility is one of the things that sets Leonardo apart as being able to really try to provide the best options for their customers and obviously the patients that their customers are transporting. Are we likely to see a EMS or HEMS version of the 609 in the future? Yeah, you will. Um, so as you, that's a great question. As you know, we've been working really hard on our 609 program. Um, I think it's an extremely interesting vehicle that you know combines, obviously, the performances of a, of a helicopter in terms of being able to um, have vertical takeoff and, and landing, but also with the speed and agility of an, of an airplane. So we are working currently on the EMS mock-up. We've, I've been working that for the last couple months. Uh, we will expect to be uh, displaying that at the upcoming event here in, in October. So the uh, aircraft is still a little bit away from certification, but we're trying to parallel process and make sure that we have an EMS solution, again, that, that fits our customers' needs and make sure that, that we're able to provide a vehicle that is going to meet um, all of their needs. So, I mean, what's coming next in, in the EMS market? You mentioned the 609 now, which I, I can imagine is a big project, a, presumably a big project for you, huge project for, for Leonardo and a, and a fascinating project as well. But I presume that there's more going on uh, when it comes to the interiors and, and the equipment that, that a different helicopter can carry. Yeah, so I think that there's, you know, there's lots of things that, that we are working on. I would say that probably what we're trying to do is continue to focus on safety. That's one of our core principles. So all of our aircraft are certified uh, at least as single pilot IFR, or they're all IFR certified. The smaller aircraft are single pilot and obviously the larger are dual pilot. So that's important to us that every single one of our aircraft have those safety features and we're continuing to work on that, whether or not that's LIDAR systems to identify you know, obstacles or wires for off-scene off work or um, whether or not that's synthetic vision, just incorporating all of those technologies as they become uh, available. The technology is probably where we're investing in specifically in terms of EMS, a, a lot of our energy because the medical technologies are changing faster and faster. So things like connected cabin with continuous Wi-Fi, being able to stream in real time data from the medical equipment back to the receiving hospitals and doctors. You know, I believe that one of the... Um, Companies in Italy is actually working with Google Glass, and so their their surgeons are going to actually be able to in real time watch what the doctors and providers on board are are seeing, so that they can better be prepared for when they receive the patient. So that technology is a big key. You obviously mentioned the 609; that's a tremendous piece of technology, the first civil certified um, tilt rotor in its class. So that continues to be a lot of our focus. And then finally, I would just say that we're working really hard to be responsive. I think, you know, the COVID pandemic has really shown us that it's important for us as well as the healthcare systems to be resilient and to be able to react relatively quickly because no one ultimately was fully prepared for the COVID pandemic. And it was important to us and for our customers to be able to react as quickly as possible. So creating the system, whether or not that's through customer support and our training platforms, or whether or not that's through the aircraft itself, uh, or through our engineers, being able to react quickly to whatever comes up is something that we've, we've worked a lot on those different processes. And, and you mentioned the COVID-19 pandemic, and, and I was going to ask you actually if you'd seen any sort of trends emerging 
around the world in maybe in different places of, of different uses for uh, EMS helicopters and HEMS helicopters. Are you finding that um, different countries, different regions are utilizing their um, their fleets differently? Uh, I think to a certain extent, yes. I think what it's really shown kind of everyone categorically is the need to reevaluate their system as a whole. So, you know, I think some countries, their system was relatively inflexible and they had a harder time reacting and responding. I think that we needed to take, you know, a little bit of effort in the beginning in order to become quicker responding in terms of how you disinfect helicopters, right? Some of the systems that were being used in the hospital aren't going to work in a helicopter by the very nature that you have avionics and complicated equipment right next to the patient care area. But, you know, we worked with all of our customers out there and came up with solutions really quickly. I, I do think that a couple things kind of overarching came out of this. One is the fact that, you know, a cabin that is conducive to providing complete access to the patient is really important. It also needs to be modular and flexible to add additional equipment, such as a biocontainment device or something along those lines. And then the oxygen um, quantity and carrying capability became more in focus because where you used to be able to get away with just a small little tank that would maybe get you from point A to point B, all of these COVID patients had really high oxygen requirements and required both you know, ourselves, interior companies that, that we work with to outfit the, the cabin to really consider higher than normal oxygen carrying capacity. And once they started thinking about it that way, it wasn't actually that tricky. It was just a shift from sort of the bare minimum to now making sure that you definitely have enough. Um, so those are probably two of the areas that I think were probably the biggest, you know, the biggest overall changes. And then, like I said, incorporating that modularity because, you know, COVID happens, there's going to be something else that happens, whether or not it's a natural disaster in a specific area that their system is not set up for, or another global pandemic, hopefully not. The ability to be modular and react and and be able to reconfigure the cabin quickly and efficiently and relatively inexpensively is all important. And and we've worked really hard with all of our customers and other companies in order to achieve that. So, so you mentioned modularity and the ability to to sort of change a cabin pretty quickly. Um, I think on the surface, maybe that's already taking what's designed as an EMS or a HEMS helicopter anyway, and then being able to change the equipment that's on there, swap it out for, for different types. But during COVID, did you find helicopters that were in different usage, for example? Were, were you finding that those people were coming to you and saying, hey, I want to be able to change this. We need to be able to configure this for, for, for different usage. Yeah, and I think so. I think that's definitely true in COVID, and it's also true in some of the emerging markets. So, in emerging markets, they may not have a fully developed HEM system, but they see the benefit of it. And so, they're able to use things like law enforcement or utility helicopters, and then with a kind of a quick reconfiguration, able to now serve a lot more patient populations pretty quickly and inexpensively, you know, because when you look at sort of those kits, they're not, they tend to go into existing seat track. Uh, for example, so you're not having to like redesign, rebuild this whole helicopter. You can actually kind of plug and play. So I think that modularity we're seeing um, become more and more common where countries that may not have a fully full-fledged uh, HEM system in place are able to sort of enter into the market and start figuring out a way to serve their populations better and then kind of working on redefining it. COVID is a very similar thing. I think probably the most common would be SAR stuff, especially like in the North Atlantic, 
near where you're from or other areas where they're supporting the offshore industry, all of a sudden they were having to, you know, deal with patients that were COVID positive, having higher than normal medical requirements, but then also having the problems or having the challenges around, you know, contamination. So they're having to sort of quickly reconfigure their cabins to have increased medical configurations, as well as, you know, keeping the the pilots and the crew safe um, from these contagious patients. So we worked with a number of different operators that had those star contracts and came up with some biocontainment solutions that would keep everyone safe and gave them the clinical capability in order to, you know, medically treat those patients while they were being rescued. Do, do you think there are any countries around the world that should have a properly developed EMS stroke HEMS network but haven't quite got there just yet? I'm kind of partial. I, I think that HEMS is an integral part of any health system. So I would argue that, that any country that doesn't have a HEMS system, a uh, fully functional HEMS system, should continue to do work. It, to me, it's sort of the glue that holds the healthcare system together. And it, it doesn't operate independently. It's part of a larger system and part of a larger team. It relies on the network of hospitals. It relies on the pre-hospital you know, caregivers and the communication centers. But obviously, there are a number of areas that I think have a large population and would benefit from having a, a more well-developed uh, health system that are out there. So we spoke about developing markets, and a lot of times, if you were to, to sell an EMS HEMS helicopter into, into one of those markets, people wouldn't necessarily have had exposure to those type of aircraft before. And of course, we spoke about new technology earlier on as well, and, and different pieces coming together, and and maybe different pieces becoming obsolete and, and being replaced by new pieces. So presumably, you don't just give a helicopter to somebody and say, "Here you go. This is what you do." Yeah, for sure. And and thank you for asking that. It, it it is important not only, you know, in the part leading up to the sale, but also afterwards. So there's kind of two big components to that. One is making sure that you have the infrastructure in order to, you know, support them with maintenance personnel and parts. And we've worked extremely hard on our entire global system to be extremely responsive to all of our customers, but specifically HEMS, which require you know, them being in service 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. So we've been rated number one um, in ProPilot for a number of years in a row, and we're extremely proud, and we continue to work hard on that. Um, the other piece, as you mentioned, is, you know, the increase with the increasing technology, whether or not it's a, a market that is new or it's just a new airframe, um, the training is incredibly important. So we've, you know, we have training centers throughout the world. We've just invested heavily in a brand-new training facility here in Philadelphia that's got multiple level D simulators as well as a maintenance training facility. But the other thing that we're trying to work on and we've been developing and we have a great facility over in Italy is what I was talking about around the collaboration where we're not only training the pilots um, with sort of the minimum requirements, but we also have full-scale mock-ups. We're utilizing virtual reality to work with the crews that are in the back. So whether or not it's search and rescue crews or the medical crews, and then we're actually able to even tie that in with the pilot training to get a full crew resource management training opportunity for them to both work on those techniques that are important, but also learn how to deal with um, you know, emergencies or any challenges in, in a very safe and immediate manner. Would you go as far as helping uh, a country, a city, a province, et cetera, um, setting up their own HEMS network? Uh, we have, yeah. And I, I work in a number of different areas with that. You know, part of my role is to help look at what the existing systems 
is available there and identify some gaps. Um, so yeah, I think we're very open to assisting in, in any way possible. Again, like you kind of mentioned, yes, we're a helicopter manufacturer, but it doesn't do us any good um, to just sell a helicopter and have it be in a system that's not functioning. So all of those things, the customer support, the training, the resources in terms of personnel that we're willing to you know, invest with our customers, that's all part of the package to you know, make sure that, that they have a model that's going to be successful because ultimately, like I said, the patient and taking care of people is sort of the center of what this is all about. And you know, we believe very strongly in that and it's one of our core principles. Okay, I think that's probably the perfect moment to end it. So Samuel, I'd like to thank you once again for joining us today. It's a fascinating conversation. Thank you. Thank you.